Welcome to Leading Innovation. I'm your host, John Lowry. Are you a leader who wants to bring about change in your company or organization? My guess is the answer is probably yes. As leaders, we want to leave the organization or leave the company better than we found it. And we recognize that that will require change. That will require improvement. And it will require innovation. Yet what happens is so many times as we pursue change, as we seek to lead innovation, we run into resistance. We run into employees that don't want to change the system that they manage. Or we run into people that have built processes that they have a hard time letting go of. Or we run into a culture that says we're comfortable. We don't want to disrupt it. We don't want to bring about all this change. And now all of a sudden as a leader, innovation becomes very difficult. Well, this episode is for you. We want to talk about what it looks like to innovate from the inside and how to overcome some of the inertia and some of the barriers of change that exist in large organizations with established systems and with bureaucracies in place. If you're a leader working in a large organization and you're running into a resistance to change and innovation, then this episode is for you. I will share seven ideas that can be helpful to you in bringing about the change that will make a difference and propel you forward. So today I want to talk about what it looks like to innovate from the inside to innovate in these large, bureaucratic, static organizations and systems to where innovation can be very difficult. Now, the reason why this episode is so important is because all too often, and I've been there myself, people just want to give up. Innovation is just too hard. And so as a result, people get frustrated And people finally just quit and become satisfied with the status quo. In my mind, that can't happen. And it can't happen. It's not good for the organization, but it's not good for the culture. And it's not good for the people that are trying to bring about innovation. It literally is negative all the way around, but it's easier. It takes less energy just to suck it up and live with the status quo but that's not good enough. We've got to be better. We've got to find a way to be successful, even though we have a lot of headwinds against us when we're trying to innovate in these large bureaucratic environments. And so the first thing that I think needs to happen is if you want to be someone that is going to stimulate innovation, you need to bring an attitude of innovation and an attitude of change not only to your ideas, but to other people's ideas as well. And so being very positive in terms of new thinking and new ideas, being willing to put the extra work in around those kinds of things, that will build goodwill and that will build capital in terms of other people then being willing to invest in your ideas, whether it's additional work or whether it's Uh, some thinking and some time, whatever it might be that you need for them to be successful, the reality is in these large bureaucratic organizations, it's going to require a bunch of people to bring about change. 
Very few organizations are built to where one person can bring about the change. That's not how organizations are built. Even if you're the CEO, it's going to require you to engage lots of people to get them on board, to buy in, in order to bring about that change. And so this attitude of innovation is going to be very, very important. Another thought about the attitude of innovation is really trying to help your colleagues stay focused on the end user or stay focused on the client. This relentless pursuit of satisfying and meeting customer needs in a creative way, this is what drives innovation. But if people don't have that perspective, if that's not what's driving them when they come to work every day, if they're just there to manage the system, then it's really hard for them to understand why innovation is so valuable. And so one of the early things that you can do in bringing about this attitude of innovation is not only to be open to change, but to constantly and continually compel others to think about the customer or the client or the end user or whoever it is that is being served and keeping them at the forefront. One of the things I do in our programs is I will give everyone a note card and I will ask people to draw their customer, draw their client, or draw the person that they're serving. And people will draw these folks. And it's amazing. Uh, Usually they're kind of a, a stick figure kind of person, but there will be things that go around this person that reflect the unique needs that they have that this business or this organization or this government agency is trying to solve. And when people see those and those stay top of mind, there's an openness. There becomes a culture to finding new ways to better serve those people. So I think the beginning of everything, the foundation of this is introducing and bringing forward this attitude of innovation. The next thing that's really important is to dedicate the time. One of the reasons why innovation doesn't happen is because people are so busy, so overwhelmed with managing their systems, managing their teams, serving their clients, that there literally is just no capacity to step back and to think in a creative way. And in order to generate real creativity, you have to create space for that creativity to happen. And so it's important to protect that time and to find that time. Sometimes it requires you getting people out of the office. Sometimes it requires a a dedicated meeting time where people come together and it's not a meeting about solving the problems that are right there today that are urgent and have immediate need, but it's really a time to say, let's step back and let's reflect and let's go to 40,000 feet and let's think about what it is that we're trying to do. In that time, creativity can flourish and it's important that we dedicate that time to creativity, whether it's you and a colleague, whether it's you and your team, whoever it is that you have influence with, make sure that you dedicate some time for creative ideas to emerge. Without the time, it will never, ever happen. All right, the third thing can be very difficult. In these large organizations where people are working hard to meet performance objectives, people are working very hard to satisfy bosses, to hit their numbers, to do all the things that the organization is asking them to do. Within that, 
many times people feel like there is not an opportunity to fail, that there is not the space to fail, that they cannot afford to fail. And anytime that you truly embrace the innovation process, you must embrace the idea of failure and to recognize that not every single idea is going to be a home run. Not every single idea is going to work. And so what happens is if we don't create room for failure on our teams or with the people that we're working with, if we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to try and to fail, then we will stifle innovation. It's really, really important that we tell ourselves and we tell people, it's okay if this doesn't work. This won't be the end of the world. We will recover and we will figure out how to move on from there. And that's the beauty of pilot projects. That's the beauty of starting small. Uh, That's the beauty of these kinds of approaches in terms of early adoption of innovation ideas to where you don't risk a whole lot. You get an opportunity to get some data back, to get some feedback, to make sure that it's creating the new value that you want to create. And if it doesn't, that's okay. There will be learning that comes from it. There will be experience that comes from it that will make the the next idea even better. But without permission to fail, it's really hard for people to take risks and to be innovative. All right, the fourth thing that I see as being something that is a huge risk to innovation, especially in a large organizational environment, is arrogance. Sometimes what happens, and I think many times people don't do it intentionally, but sometimes there are people that perhaps go too far to where this new idea becomes the gold standard. And the new idea becomes something that someone sees as better than what's currently being done. And there's no sensitivity to the fact that there was someone who thought really, really hard about how to implement the current process. And so when you walk in and you find a better way of doing something and you present that, many times there are some people that are offended by the fact that you're suggesting that what they've put in place or the process that they use is not good enough. And so it's really important in those moments that you approach that with a sense of humility and a sense of collaboration with your colleagues in terms of how to improve that product or how to revisit that particular issue or how to solve this problem or how to create a better system. Because it's important to honor the contribution that has been made, the success that has been derived from what the status quo currently is. And so, so many times it becomes personal. And we're going to talk about that in the next idea to where people are like, look, you may have a better idea, but the way that you've engaged it, the way that you've approached me, I don't want to move forward on that idea because as a result of that, you don't make me look good. Uh, You make me look like I didn't have it figured out or I didn't go far enough. And in those moments, Now, all of a sudden, it's no longer about the merit of the idea. It's about the interpersonal dynamics between the people that need to work together to bring about innovation. And so as you're innovating, as you're thinking about these new ideas, as you're engaging folks, honor and recognize the significant accomplishments that have been made, the success of a product or the benefits of a new system, whatever it is, acknowledge those 
and have that be then the setting to say, okay, how do we move forward and make this even better? How do we think about how we go further in terms of serving clients and serving customers and things like that? And so it's important that we honor our colleagues because we will absolutely need them to bring about the change uh, that we're looking to achieve. All right, the next thing is we've got to be real. And the reality is, is that innovation is something that not everyone embraces and not everyone likes. Innovation involves change. Change involves uncertainty. Uncertainty involves fear, and people tend to want to avoid fear, which means they want to avoid all of those things leading up to fear, starting with innovation. Now, some folks may philosophically not be opposed to innovation. Some may just be opposed to a new idea. And so one of the things that you have to be ready for in terms of bringing about innovation in an in an organization is you have to be ready for resistance. And this is where planning on process is so important. Thinking about your communication, thinking about how you're going to deal with objections, making sure that the most critical stakeholders, that they have an opportunity to have input into the idea. It's important to do all these things up front because you know that there is going to be resistance to new and disruptive ideas. There always is. Now, as that resistance surfaces, it's really important that you separate the resistance and the objections to the new idea from the people that bring them. Uh, Those people are not the problem. Uh, It's perhaps those people's perspective or those people's loyalty to a system that's the problem, but it's not the people that are the problem. And so again, you don't want to allow this to become an interpersonal dynamic. You want to keep it focused on the merits of the ideas and how things are going forward. Because the reality is, is that if you're innovating in a large environment like this, this will be a process that you have to lead or you have to be involved in time and time and time again. And so if you burn all your bridges chasing one idea, then six months later, you'll have another idea and you won't have any political capital to be able to move that idea forward. And so when we think about resistance, we want to think about how is it that we can work through the issues? How is it that we can deal with the hard questions or overcome the fear that would exist, but do so in a way to where we can maintain relationships with colleagues to where we can do it again 90 days later? Because that's what real innovators, that's where their success comes is they're able to lead this process time and time again. You look at great CEOs who have implemented tremendous change in their organizations. It wasn't just one move they made, but usually it's a collection of a lot of moves. And when people look up, they realize that substantial change has been made. So that right there leads me to my next idea, idea number six, as we think about that this, and it's look for opportunities for incremental change. Many times change comes in small doses and with small steps. And the system or the organization or the culture, it simply won't allow for massive change. Now, there are some situations to where massive change is required. 
because it has to be so disruptive that that's the only process that would be successful in doing it. So a great example is to think about Uber and Lyft. Uber and Lyft, there's no way they could bring about the change to how people travel from point A to point B in a city if they were going to try to do that incrementally and if they were going to work with the taxi cab companies and the other limo companies and things like that to introduce their services to be additive. The interest of all the parties were such that there were no aligned interests to bring about that change. Because the taxicab industry would look at that as a massive threat, which it clearly has been in terms of their business. But at the same time, the taxi industry didn't change fast enough. And they weren't able to incorporate the technology that Uber and Lyft were. They weren't able to make it easy for there to be lots of supply that is on demand at any given moment to where people can get picked up quickly and go to where they need to go. And as a result of that, Uber had to fight a lot of nasty battles. It was super disruptive, but that's how they brought about innovation. Now, in an organization, as someone who just leads and works and contributes every single day, that may not be an opportunity that's available to you in terms of being that disruptive or taking on the entire system and the, the, the whole establishment. And so what I've found is that the leaders who are really successful in bringing about innovation, they just do it step by step. I heard a U.S. senator one time that I was in a conversation with talk about this in terms of Washington. And this U.S. senator said, one of the things that you have to understand when you go to Washington is that change will only happen incrementally. Uh, because of the way the system is set up, uh, it's not designed for allowing for massive changes in direction in terms of where the country is going. Uh, it's really set up to avoid that. And so what happens is change happens as a result of compromise. And when you have compromise involved, that requires you to move step by step. I think it's the same in a large organization or a bureaucratic system to where it's bringing about small change again and again and again. And by doing that, one day you look up and you go, whoa, everything has changed and you've made substantial process. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about today in terms of thinking about being an innovator, thinking about being a change agent in these large organizations is it's critically important to celebrate the success and to engage the people in that celebration that contributed to it. What that will do is that will create a positive vibe. It'll create a healthy culture around change when people are acknowledged for their contributions to it, when the credit is dispersed to them for doing the heavy lifting about bringing about whatever that change is. When you do that, you will create this team and create this culture that will become an ecosystem for allowing for more change. But it's important that when you get there, when the hard work is done, when the change has been made, you don't just move on to the next one without acknowledging the contributions of all the people 
that helped bring that change to be. This piece I see missed by so many folks. And it is more than just sending out an email that's saying thank you. This is a moment where you now have to make an investment back into the people that helped you bring about the change. And it may be an investment literally that you have to make out of your own pocket because this change, if it allows you to be more successful, then that investment into your colleagues, that moment where you say thank you, that moment where you make them feel honored, that will be an investment that will position you for your next success. And so be sure not to miss this moment. Be sure not to just let it slide as you start thinking about the next idea. Be intentional about finding a creative way, a meaningful way in which you can honor the people that help you bring about the innovation that you desire. So let's run back through those real quick. Number one, it starts with attitude. We've got to bring an attitude of innovation. Number two, we've got to dedicate the time and create the space for creativity. Three, Got to give permission to fail, even to ourselves. Four, we have to recognize that our arrogance can be fatal to the innovation process. Five, be ready for resistance and use process to manage through it. Six, look for those opportunities for incremental change. That's how innovation happens in these large bureaucratic environments. And seven, celebrate the people that help you bring about innovation. Those seven things right there can be the ticket to your new idea becoming a new reality in your organization. I wish you the best.